Welcome to Bad Patient, Malpractice Makes Perfect. I'm Robin Donovan. And I'm Laura Bears. And we are two non-medical, non-experts sifting through today's health news. Sometimes better than other times. Mostly worse than better times. <laughs> so Laura usually tells you how the podcast works, but this week I'm going to tell you. Laura, okay. Because <laughs> I'm tired and we're doing things my way. Um... Laura sends me three to four of the most vague, unhelpful words ever that I'm supposed to be able to research. And then while we're recording live, she emails me links to stories that we talk through and I haven't seen them before. And Laura, I have a special surprise for you this week. Yeah. Two, two surprises. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First surprise, we now have an email address so that people Ooh. who are not on the social media can contact us. So it is hello at thebadpatient.com. Exciting, right? Ooh. I know. Fancy. And I, I tested this, so I actually know that it works, which is exciting. And secondly, that I did no research in preparation for this issue, for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought uh, you'd like to know that. Awesome. <laughs> I don't understand. My words were very helpful this week. I think one of your words was iPhone this week. Yeah. The words were new vaccine, iPhone, socializing, and potassium. Boom. I don't even remember socializing. Well, it is. It's one of the words. All right. I'm not going to doubt you on that. I I pulled up the iMessage and looked at it uh, on my iPhone which I thought was very uh, meta. Um, so our, our first episode, or our first episode, our first article comes from the Washington Post, and it is expert panel recommends new shingles vaccine that gives increased protection. Okay, I'm for it. <laughs> so the, um, an expert federal panel, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, um, recommended on an eight to seven vote, which is rare that they're divided, that they um, were going to recommend the new string, string, string ricks vaccine to be preferred over the existing <laughs> Zoxavax. I just like to wait and see what you're going to try to pronounce it as. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so that's like, that's like 100% how you say those words. Um, and the new, the FDA recently approved the new vaccine. Um, and it is a n- new vaccine for shingles for in a first time in a decade. And okay. it's recommended, uh, for the first time ever for people between 50 and 59. Oh. Um, and because previously it was 60 and older, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's rare that the they would recommend a new vaccine when they already have have one. However, this one is much more proven to be much more effective um, in it. Let's see. Okay. Uh, it's 97 percent effective in 50 to 59 year olds compared to 70 percent. Uh, for those in their 60s, it's 97% effective versus 64 for the old one. For those in their 70s, it's 91% effective versus those in 41%. And those in their 80s, uh, are most at risk to developing complications from it. The new vaccine is five times more effective at 91% versus 18. So, so like, be, that was like, yeah, to be clear, we're saying, People in their 80s are most at risk of de- developing complications from shingles. shingles, not from the vaccine. Yes. So all y'all um, who want to tell us about how vaccines aren't safe, now is not the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
the reason why it was a little bit controversial, though, is because, um, like, with those kinds of clear difference, like, it should be a no-brainer that the new vaccine would be better. However, the new vaccine doesn't is new and therefore doesn't have um, the wealth of knowledge and testing. trials and testing that the old one does. So... It's only be, been done in clinical. Okay. Um, so it's just, it's rare that the, com- that the committee wouldn't make this step as soon, essentially as soon as it is available. The reason mm-hmm. why I find this, uh, particular article fascinating is that I, as a 30 year old, or t- at the time, a 29 year old woman, got shingles oh, last year. Oh my God, I remember this. Yeah. It was horrible, it was, right? It, yeah, it, I missed a week of work because I had uh, shingles, which uh, shingles is caused by the uh, chickenpox disease. And so if you've had chickenpox, it may already be in your system, um, yeah. like the um, commercial or whatever that they always have. But well, no, I mean, it is it is in your system. It's just inactive. Yeah. And then like yeah. for some people, the virus reactivates as shingles. And in your case, that just means that you you visited me at my hotel, remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember because you were wearing a really <laughs> big shirt and you were like, it hurts me when things touch my skin. So I had to wear this big shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you really seemed, yeah, completely miserable. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's caused by erroneous nerves uh, being sent, nerve pain being sent, um, out and so it's done in uh bands because across across your body because that's how nerves work like um (laughs) and (laughs) thank you like but it's but it's like your nerves like have a cluster or whatever so like Mm -hmm. it's on half of your body and it goes um you know going like dividing down your chest it'll be all the way around um but only it was only on my left side or whatever and um my I, like, thought it was a rash and, like, didn't know what it was. And so we put, like, ointment on it or whatever. And then my husband looked up, uh, did a bad patient and looked Consulted it up. Consulted Dr. It Google. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And figured out, like, what it was. And it was shingles. And wh- I, my, like, childhood best friend's older brother got shingles when he was in college, but he ignored it and he ended up being hospitalized by it. Um, Oh my God. Which is so like, my husband was like, it's shingles. And I was like, let's go to the doctor then because I, (laughs) I didn't want to, cause I hate going to the doctor, but like, um, that's enough to like, was enough to scare me into going or whatever. And like, I talked to like the nurse and they're like, Oh, it's probably not shingles because you know, I was 29. Um, and that's not like the exact age group population right. or whatever. And I like lifted up my shirt for the doctor and the doctor was halfway across the room and they're like, yep, you got shingles. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be somewhat easy to diagnose or maybe it just yeah. was in that case. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a semi distinct because like with a, with a rash, it's, it's like, I think because of the nerve, the way that it is, it's, yeah. um, it's distinct that way, the pattern that it shows up, but it can you be know really funny dangerous. Though? Because it can happen on your face and, like, be near yeah. your eyes, and that's really, really dangerous. So I was lucky where it was. Yeah. Well, you were lucky for being unlucky, right? Because you know what's, yeah. like, really weird about this is that, so if you can only get shingles if you've had chicken pox, I'm assuming that that means that children who are vaccinated, because, you know, now there's a chicken pox vaccine, mm-hmm. cannot yep. get shingles because they cannot get chicken pox? Correct. So, so now what I what I'm thinking is, okay, so there's like three groups of people, right? One is like modern day kids. We're going to say we're not we were kids but not in the modern day. Modern day <laughs> ki- like kids now who who can't get chickenpox. Then there's right. young adults who got chickenpox and were not vaccinated because no vaccine existed and then there's going to be now this new group of people 50 and up who can get the shingles vaccine but so like you are you getting this you and i are in the middle we're we're screwed we like we both had to get chicken pox and we cannot get the shingles vaccine so i don't we're screwed for like the next 20 years (laughs) i don't know if we can't get the vaccine i just think it's recommended for people who are 50 older because shingles is more likely to happen okay that's true 
But I mean, my question is for me, I had shingles. Does that mean that I should have the shingles vaccine? Like, I don't. Oh, I have no idea. Can I get shingles again? I think, is it something that that will sporadically happen? You know, should I, should I get this vaccine? So, I mean, clearly I didn't do any research because I'm, <laughs> the fuck if I'm going to get a shot, but. <laughs> oh, because, man. Because, you know, a single day of a sore arm or shingles for like a week and a half. Hmm. Which oh. one should I do? All right. I got a source for you. Harvard Health Publishing. Mm-hmm. Shingles can strike twice. Will the shingles vaccine help? Apparently, yes, it can strike twice and even th- three times, although that's rare, and a vaccine can reduce the chances of a recurrence. But I don't know, like, given how young you are, I guess you should be a good patient and ask your doctor. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. this article says the CDC recommends the shingles vaccine even for people who have already had shingles. There is no specific time you must wait after having shingles before receiving the vaccine, <laughs> but it's probably best to hold off until the rash has disappeared. Is your rash gone? <laughs> well, the rash is gone. Yeah. Well, you know, part of that, like, why they tell you not to get, like, vaccines when you, like, have the, like, it's like, don't get the flu shot when you have a bad cold or something, is that <laughs> you're, um, you're, you want to get, like, a good immune system response, and there's, like, some idea that you're not going to get as uh, robust of a response if your immune system is busy, like having a having a gang fight in the corner with like some other virus. So, yeah. That being said, I definitely got the flu shot this year when I thought I might be getting a cold because getting the cold reminded me that I, or like I didn't get the cold, but I kind of felt like I might. And that reminded me that I hadn't gotten the flu shot. And I was just like, oh, forget it. I'll just go get it now. Because if I don't do it now, I'll probably forget. And then, you know, that's worse. So, don't be like me. And get, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't talk about younger people in the article, so I cannot no. help you. We're we're ignored completely. We're a completely ignored population. No one cares about us. No one does. It's like, you get all this tension when you're like a little kid, right? Because like, if you have a baby, that baby goes to the doctor like every 10 minutes. And if you're like an older person, they're trying to cat scan you every 10 minutes. And like, if you're in your 30s, they're just like, tough it out. Tough it out for the next 30 years. You're fine. Yeah. We'll let you know when you start to get old. (laughs) We will let you know. Yeah. Do you know that according to, like, Medicare classifications or something that we're middle-aged now? It's, like, middle age is, like, 30 to 60 or something. Thanks, Robin. I, re- I know. I really needed that boost. <laughs> I was feeling a little bit cocky, so. <laughs> middle age slash that period of your life when no one cares about your health. <laughs> yeah, I'm no longer a young professional. That was kind of a blow. <laughs> You're the professional that the young professionals go to talk to, because even though you're not young anymore, you're kind of close, and they think that they can, like, tell you things, but they, they do not want to drink with you. Is that is that where we are? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Listen, I'm still cool. How about this? To the extent that I was ever cool, I'm still cool, which, <laughs> interpret as you will. <laughs> I would contend that people who are genuinely cool never say that they are cool. And certainly not on a medical news podcast. Probably, Probably. not. <laughs> These are all limiting factors working against <laughs> us. Uh, I was never cool. Never going to be cool. <laughs> okay, you know the other thing about this story, though. Since we're since mm-hmm. we're let's embrace the uncoolness and keep going. Okay, first of all, somebody named this damn vaccine Shingrix. Shingrix, just just. I mean, I, I swear to God, what is that? If you just go onto the street at some point in the near future walk up to someone and be like shingrix they're gonna be unhappy (laughs) so there's that and i I feel like there's a there's the economics of this which is like it's like hey now you can get the flu shot or the shingles vaccine like what is it 10 years 10 years sooner Mm -hmm. and it's is it two shots instead of one yes it's two shots instead of one and the article uh, checking one of the boxes of good health journalism gave us the cost for both of them, and shock of shocks, the cost of two is higher. Although not, it's two two hundred and eighty dollars versus two hundred twenty three dollars, which is kind of surprising. Like, wouldn't you think two would be if if one is 
223, then shouldn't 2 be 446? But I guess it's not how it works at all. Anyway. It's also a different company. (laughs) Yeah. But you can get you some Shingrix (laughs) for $280. (laughs) I can't get over it. Why would they name it that? Why would they name it that? I don't know. It's but what's terrible. the other one called, Robin? That's Zostavax. a stupid name too. That's a stupid name too. I mean, but at least it has the it has like the suffix vax on it, so you kinda get the like it's a vaccination. Like you get it. It sounds kind I mean, of it's it's got weird. Shing Shing for the shingles. Yeah, but that is like the most annoying sound in the in in our language. Shing, Shing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the noise they make when they're shooting it into your arm? <laughs> oh man. Snicked. What well, and the new one? I guess they're saying it, it's genetically engineered. I don't. I don't even understand what that means in terms of a. Well, like the other one wasn't. I, I don't know. And he says it includes an ingredient that boosts the effectiveness of the immune system. And I feel like, uh, can we get a little more? Like what? I, I feel like they said a bunch of stuff that's like, it's like basics, 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 basics. And then they said this one really interesting thing. And then the article ends. <laughs> no, I think this is a good piece, though. Because they, yeah. they gave a lot of like facts about how effective they are, different age groups. They let us know that it was FDA approved. They talked about the CDC recommendations. And they talked about the history, like being reluctant to make... Um, to say, like, one vaccine is better than another. So usually they won't tell you, like, this brand of aspirin is the best. They're just, like, take an aspirin. Take an aspirin. Yeah. Because they don't want to get their hands dirty and our muddy pedestrian concerns about our health, you know. They're trying to keep it real. Yeah. Well, right, dang. Ready for the next one? Yeah. Okay. This one comes from MIT Technology Review. And it is, this doctor diagnosed his own cancer with an iPhone ultrasound. Well, hot damn. I know, right? Totally what you thought. thought That's where that was going. An Um, iPhone ultrasound. Yeah. So it's from the develop, it was developed by Butterfly Network, um, which, and it's like a handheld ultrasound um, that works with like your smartphone. And, uh, typically it's not exactly how you want to, like, discover that you have cancer, but he, um, he had an uncomfortable feeling in the thickness of his neck, and he used it, and he's a doctor himself, but he's not a cancer expert, but he was enough of a doctor to know that he was in trouble (laughs) Uh, when he saw the dark three-centimeter mass. So he's basically like, I'm not an oncologist, but I saw this and I was like, oh, shit. Yep, that shouldn't be there. Um, there. The device is called Butterfly IQ, and it is, uh, it's a part of a new um, wave of um, technology that's coming onto the market. They're going to be sold for $1,999, and it's the far less than any other that's on the market. The other one that's coming out, I believe, we'll see is about from that. Philips, <laughs> and that's supposed to come on the market for about $6,000. Um, but, like, one of the things that it's used, it's, that it's um, being talked about is that it can be handheld, and it can be put in your scrub's pocket. So, like, a doctor on a floor would be able to use it more easily than having to, you know, drag the cart out, pull it over by the patient, and then have Whoa. a technician operate the the machine, you know? Okay. So I can can't... I, I'm not paying attention because I'm, I'm Googling how much ultrasound machines cost, and this entirely unscientific and unverifiable source called cost owl that i've never heard of before but i'm gonna decide to trust completely in this moment says that (laughs) ultrasound machines start at ten thousand dollars and range up to two hundred thousand dollars so i guess if they're saying this one is a little under two thousand dollars it's cheaper but it's also hooked up to a smartphone so like how much how comparable can that really be so there are different things that you can use an ultrasound for when you're going in for you know to check to check to you know your baby you're not going to use this this machine but if you're um 
on the ER floor and I want to check your heart, mm. I can use this machine much Super more easily. Fast. Yeah. So it's it's quick and dirty. It's not the same quality and it's not the same level, but it is um, something that could definitely help with diagnosis and, you know, call for greater, you know, to eliminate eliminate different things. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like part of what it is. So like one of the things that um, hospitals do, it mentions in the article is the hospital uses, you know, these technology and these machines and these technicians to charge, you know, thousands of dollars in order to have an ultrasound. And so yeah, having something that you could essentially buy yourself can, I think will lead to a lot more bad patienting. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> doctor. No, I know. I, I got this lump. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's, that's my, that was my immediate first thought when I was, you were reading the headline was what happens when people get this on their, like, on their smartphone. I mean, I think I'm sure this is designed for medical practitioners, but it's like, you know how you can go to the mall and do like the full body scan or whatever. And then inevitably you find something that you think is cancer, but is really like a golf ball sized benign cyst, you know, but you're going to freak out about it and spend 10 grand on like diagnostic imaging after that. That's what I was thinking. Like if you put this in the hands of the average person, we're going to have to change the name of our podcast to like, okay, patient, because there's going to be some (laughs) terrible behavior going on. Well, to be fair, $2,000, I feel like, is kind of a barrier for the most average Joe. But it'll get cheaper over time, I'm sure. I don't know. Uh, At a certain point, it also talked about in this one that they would have to sell an awful lot of them in order to be profitable, you know, so it's... Oh, so that might not even happen. Yeah, it seemed to think that that it was priced very low, according to the article. But I just thought it was interesting... (laughs) And a fun spin on, like, you know, we have this ultrasound technology. How did we use it? Oh, well, I used it on myself, and I found that I had cancer. (laughs) And he has since received uh, cancer treatment and and done surgery, so hopefully that means that he's recovering well. I would hope so that if he's doing um, articles about, you know, his uh, process, that he's okay and recovering. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, this reminds me of um, this guy did a TED Talk about medical devices that are, like, implanted and that send information to physicians. So, like, I think uh, defibrillators – what what's that called when you put it in your chest? A pacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, like, other – other stuff, so not wearable technology, but medical devices that are implanted in the body. Right now, there's no, as as far as my understanding goes, there's no, like, requirement that anyone give you the data. So as long as you consent to having, like, whatever device implanted in your body, and then it can send information to your physician or to whoever, but there's no guarantee that you can get that data. And there have been patients who wanted the data and then, like, had a really, really hard time getting it. Like, kind of the idea that people don't want to arm people with data that they don't understand and freak them out. You know, but then people mm-hmm. were like, wait a minute. I paid for the device. I paid for the procedure. I paid for the consultation from the physician. And now I have this thing in my body generating all kinds of information. And I'm not allowed to have access to it. Like, and so that's been kind of this interesting, like, movement. And this just reminded me of that because it's like... I know it's not what the article is saying. We're not arming people with their own ultrasound now, but I was just thinking, you know, it's this idea of like giving people information that in a way they, it's their body, right? Like why shouldn't they have it? But then in a way it can create a lot of, it can create a lot of problems. Yeah. I just thought that it would be, um, it was interesting because it's kind of like new technology coming to the market and the new applications for it and how doctors will be able to use it will be interesting. And, you know, if doctors will invest or hospitals or, you know, would invest in this kind of technology, if it would be actually useful, um, yeah. or if it's just, um, not, but I just, I just thought it was, it was cool that it's, uh, um, connects to, uh, current, current technology that I am using, you know? Yeah. And think of how cool it could be if, you didn't have to wait or you didn't, you know, like right now, if you need like 
an MRI or a CAT scan. You got to go. You got to wait. There's like a line. You have to schedule. Da, da, da. But I remember like a few months ago, I had this weird um, like fluid buildup in my uh, my right wrist. And I went to see uh, some medical person whose name I can't remember, but it, I think I should be allowed to forget because he never told me his name. It was like one of those charming medical interactions where the person's just like, okay, let's do this. And you're like, hi, I'm Robin and you are. But anyway, Mm -hmm. it was, it was a little slice of this because like they, in the, you know, solid three minutes that he spent with me, he like did an exam. He like rolled in this little, I guess it was an ultrasound to like look and see where the fluid was in my hand. And then, like, they had an x-ray machine 10 steps down the hall. So I was back in my car in less than 20 minutes, I think, including, like, checking in, paperwork, nurse, like, the whole thing. So I like I like this idea of, you know, kind of speeding up the process and making technology a little more portable. Because even though I, I didn't think that dude had, like, tremendous bedside manner, um, he got the job done, right? I mean, that that was pretty snappy. Yeah, so. it just it also feels like sci-fi to me. So like, um, I'm a big Star Trek nerd. So like, it feels no, a bit really, like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, it feels a little um like a medical tri uh tricorder where you like scan things. It oh, right. feels a little bit like that, you know. <laughs> I mean, the attachment that you roll over like a person's whatever, but yeah, like it's you know you can see ed- everything. It just just feels a little bit sci-fi, and it's cool to see the way that technology is evolving. Like uh, the iPhone is ten years old, you know, this year. How crazy and yeah. cool is the technology that you know has evolved in the just the last ten years? I just thought it was yeah. a good encapsulation of it. I like technology and health. I I find that to be an interesting intersection. Yeah, it's super fascinating. Ready for the next article? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so our next article comes from Cincinnati dot uh, com from the Cincinnati Enquirer. Um, and it's socializing is important for your health. What? I mean, okay, but is the next article after this like food is important for your life, followed by like sleep is important for your well being? I mean, I feel like we did that uh, last episode, but okay. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, so, like, just like food and water are needed to survive. Uh, we also need to have meaningful social relations and connections. And basically, it's just talking about how, like, it's important that you have social contact with people and it's okay to feel lonely at times, but it's important to not, um, have extreme isolation or loneliness. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives, like, um, uh, different age groups that it could be a problem with, including, um, children and teens, which can adopt an outcast status. Um, and how lonely adults are at greater risk for alcoholism and depression. And those living alone are at greater risk or are at greater risk for suicide for those who have, um, extreme loneliness. Wait. Um, what is this article? This article, this is not news. This is, this is, this is like, um, the woman who wrote this is a family and consumer sciences agent at Kenton County Cooperative Extension Service. And the last paragraph in this article is recommending the Cooperative Extension Service's opportunities for social interaction. This showed up in my health news, man. Yeah, but this is like, I mean, well-intentioned, but this is essentially... An advertorial masquerading as news. I know, right? Yeah. Because I mean, because I was like looking through this and I was like, okay, yeah, like this is all factual. But like I was looking for the what's the news hook because I was first thinking like, that's not a very good headline. And I was like, that's not a very good lead. And I was like looking, looking, looking. And I was like, oh, there is no news here. She just wants you to come take advantage of homemaker clubs, gardener programs. Master Cattleman? What is it? What is a Master Cattleman? 4-H opportunity? Maybe it's something to do with raising cattle? Or This should be labeled as some sort of... I don't know. 
I guess it's they're saying it's not from the regular. So Cincinnati.com is the Cincinnati Inquirer, right? Yep. And this, she's listed as a community recorder contributor. And I think those are the smaller community newspapers, perhaps? I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting because it showed up in my Google Health News. Yeah. Yeah, because no doubt, like, Cincinnati.com, like, has signed themselves up to be in Google. You know, you just, like, submit yourself to Google News as an outlet. You don't just, they don't just pull from anywhere. So that's kind of weird. No, it's not. Um, I don't know if it's still the case, but I'm pretty sure it was as someone who runs a publication. Um, I think that's the case. So, yeah, she probably, I mean, this article probably pulls up just because it's part of Cincinnati.com. But I really, I realize this is a tangent, but this, this is an example of an article that I think is improperly labeled as news. Because, like, say this format had been used in that in like the the vaccine thing. Say it had been like, vaccines are good for shingles. And then at the very end, there was a paragraph that said, you can buy Shingrix from GlaxoSmithKline. And then the author was a scientist who worked at GlaxoSmithKline. You'd be like, bullshit, right? Like you'd be like, this whole thing is just trying to get you to, to use a certain service. This is not independent. So I, I will totally talk about loneliness now. I just needed to get that off of my chest. Absolutely. I just thought it was interesting. Um, Because it's talking about what to do. The thing that I find most interesting about this article is it talks about how people, as we age, our social groups get smaller and smaller, which Mm -hmm. I feel like is for sure telling because those people die. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Although I wonder, is there like a bump that happened? I mean... Are they just like at what point do we do we start getting more lonely? Where's the tipping point? But it also talks about like if you move to a new area and you recently mm. uh, moved yes. and um, learning how to like you know make new friends and meet people in a new city. I mean that had to be challenging. I know you yeah. actively worked on cultivating friends and finding people who yeah. had common interests for you, and I know that's. It's challenging, at least the the very notion is challenging for me because um, I'm not an extroverted person typically. Yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, we're, I guess we're both introverts and I might fall a little more on the extroverted side of introversion compared to you. Do you think that's true? Yeah. I thought I should ask that in a gentle way. (laughs) Um, Definitely. Yeah, I'm for moving. sure more antisocial than you are. <laughs> but okay, but being introverted and being antisocial are not necessarily the same, right? Like, uh, I know, but it yeah, is for me. <laughs> like in, in pop culture references, sometimes it, it annoys me that introversion, it's like, it's like how to be less of an introvert. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with being an introvert. There is something wrong with being unable to socialize or like unwilling to make connections with other people. But I think it's just about where you get your energy. You know, like introverts get energy by being by themselves. Extroverts get energy through interaction. But um, yeah, but we Touching, all need we all need social connection. Some social connection. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's the truth. Is it's a little bit easier for extroverts because if you get your energy through connection, it's easier to connect. I think when I moved to Portland, um, so many people because I was gonna. It's a place where I didn't know anyone and I work from home. So many people were like, Robin, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to meet people? That it was like way in the front of my mind that I had to be like almost aggressively seeking out social opportunities. And and I had this kind of plan of just saying yes to everything and going to things even when I didn't feel like it. And I still sometimes go to things when I don't feel like it out of that sense of like, I have to keep meeting people because it it's, it's not like, um, you know, when you live where you grew up, you can kind of, I guess you could reconnect with people you used to know, there's no one here that I used to know, right? So if I want to know people, I have to meet all of them right now, now. I'm mean, like building <laughs> from zero. At the same token, I think that that actually re-energized my social life in a lot of ways. So I think that when I was, um, I used to live in Ohio as, as well, you know, I miss your face, Laura. I miss you. I know. 
So, I mean, but when I was back there, I think I had a sense of, it's like, that's where I went to college and all my friends were there. And so at times I would try to make new friends, but it was never this big push the way it is here. And so I think I have kind of a more active, engaged social life here now, even though it's just been a year and a few months, just because I I put so much effort into it. And I think the longer you're in a place, your friends might go into a different lifestyle, um, you know, getting married, having kids. And if you're not on that same plane, you'll still be friends, but it might be harder to find time to connect. Whereas you move somewhere in your 30s and you go out and meet a bunch of new people. Well, I can tell you a lot of my friends um, are in like a somewhat similar situation of of not happening to have kids or, you know, working from home or, you know, there's some overlap there. So, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I sometimes still call you guys when I'm like trying to get up the courage to go to something right or kind of feeling lonely or disconnected. Cause there is sometimes a sense of just like, crap, I'm really far from anyone who's known me for a long time. Yeah. Thanks for that, I man. Think... That's pretty. That's pretty cool that I can call you. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. I got your back. Appreciated. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like an important thing to happen. So, like, you moved away from Cincinnati, and I feel like a lot of my friends moved away from me. So my social circle has shrunk because of that Mm -hmm. however i have not had the level of urgency that you had when you moved that um i haven't replaced or made new friends the same at the same pace that you have and probably too i mean you have your family there right so like say say something were to happen you were to have like zero friends you would still have all sorts of like relatives and like connections and things but yeah, it's true kind of- that because I come from a big Catholic family. <laughs> <laughs> I got a shit ton of cousins. <laughs> when in doubt, hang out with cousins. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes people ask me about like having a lot of cousins and relatives, and I'm like Irish. We're Irish. That's <laughs> that's essentially the story. Um, yeah, I think I think what you need to do is have everyone you know just scare you into making new connections because that really is what happened with me like that would be the first thing that most people ask me and still sometimes people will ask me i'm not sure if they imagine me like sitting in a dark room by myself or something but people will be like did you make friends it almost feels a little bit like like when you go to school as like a like a kindergartner like grade school you go to middle school and like your mom will be like did you make are you talking to people did you make friends you know like I always feel kind of like, how do you prove you have friends? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm really having fun out here. And then I think this is one of those things, like we said before, like if you have to say it, you know, like I have friends. <laughs> Probably don't have enough friends. <laughs> I know. Uh, I have friends, and then like if you were to pan in, it's like me and a wall of stuffed animals. <laughs> <laughs> I swear they're real. Oh, man. Well, I guess beyond my crankiness about the source of this article, these are all good tips. And it is true. I've seen these studies that link link loneliness to shortened lifespans, depression, increased um, incidence of heart disease, which is kind of sad because isn't it bad enough that you're lonely and then... Like, you got to go through all this other stuff, too. It feels like you should get a break. You know, the person with a large social circle should be the one who who's felled by, like, a heart attack, right? Because they've got a support system. So Yeah. It's so like the double whammy. Yeah. And I hate this idea of, like, growing older and, like, things shrinking. But, you know, I'm in this professional development group, and we were talking about this in our last meeting, because we did a thing on like growth versus fixed mindsets. And people were talking about um, aging parents and, and whether or not they were, they were like still growing or kind of seemingly things were like shrinking down and having like some people or, you know, mounting anxiety or whatever. And, um, 
one of the things our, our group leader said that I think is very true is that he really sees it kind of like diverging and going one of two ways. Like some people use getting older as a way to like, like sink into what they really enjoy and like deepen and broaden their world around. I mean, kind of a more hedonistic thing, right? Like you don't have to work anymore. So you can just spend time doing things that you purely enjoy. And then Mm -hmm. on the opposite, some people are kind of, there's like so much freedom that they're not sure what to do. And so then they kind of don't do anything. And then like the less they do, the more of a risk it seems to like do something. So um, note to self, be super social in old age. I I feel like you will be. You think? I see you. Old old lady Robin is is highly social and hangs out with young people. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, you ready for our last article? Man, we're on the last one. Okay, go for it. Okay. So I was inspired by you. You said that your current uh, medical fascination last week was potassium. Oh, so yeah. I just googled potassium and picked. The first one that had an interesting one, and this comes from Inquisitor.net, which is a Polynesian website, and is Heart Health, How to Boost Potassium Intake. And it is one of the least helpful uh, articles that I have ever read, where it's like, potassium's important. Here's a list of things that have potassium. But I just, like, I was thinking of, like, if I was a bad patient, and, like, I was <laughs> told, like, you need more potassium, and I didn't know how to do it, what would you do? You would Google it, right? Right. And so this is what came up. And it was part of, like, what you were talking about, and the article itself was uh, created because October the 29th is World Stroke Day, which um, <laughs> might be the worst like name of like uh you know like world stroke day (laughs) everybody gets a stroke that day you get a stroke you get a stroke and you get a stroke thanks oprah (laughs) (laughs) um but it's talking about how uh, potassium is naturally pleasant present in different things like chickpeas and bananas um almonds and things like that uh and essentially it's in everything uh except for uh um, fats it like butter and oil and margarine, uh, uh, but chia but seeds also- contain more potassium than bananas. Guess who yeah. had chia seeds and a banana today? Hello. Oh shit! There goes your <laughs> potassium off I the know. charts. But I'm I just a- thought it was yeah. I just thought it was interesting because like I was like, how do you do? How do you boast it? I'm like, this is perfect based on the title. And I thought this is not as helpful as I thought it would be based on the title. (laughs) Also, did you read the first comment? No. It says, instead of blueberries, walnuts, kiwis, etc., why not focus on local vegetables and fruits that are high in potassium, like malunge and other leafy greens, ampalaya, mungo, okra, jackfruit, uh, guayabano, which I think is guava, banana heart, etc. And I I think... That's 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 really... Good That's comment. Super interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because they're saying Philippine, this is a Philippine yeah. uh, article and it's it, the people are based in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, but mostly I really love the title of it because it's the Inquisitor and that's like a Harry Potter thing because that's where Rita Skeeter worked and she was a tabloid. And I mean, so to be I, fair, it's Inquirer, not Inquisitor. I don't want to oh. ruin your whole thing here. <laughs> it's an Inquirer. Well, whatever. In my head, it was an inquisitor. <laughs> oh, man. I like... Okay, so I wonder if they just took this from... Because it says it's from a- AFP Relax News, so I wonder if they just, like, cross-posted this and then totally forgot that their audience is not, as that commenter points out, like, having regular access to these things. Um, I but, just think it's... A- I think that's yeah. a great point. I think localization is important. Yeah. And they failed to do that. Also, I just learned the names of like 10 different fruits. Yay. I, I'm pretty sure like, Guayabana like jungle, was guava. Yeah. I feel like Jungle Gyms would be very proud of you. Oh, man. I miss Jungle Gyms. If you're listening no, and, and you don't know what Jungle Gyms is, Laura, can you explain what Jungle is Jungle Gyms? Gym? is um, a local uh, grocery store in the Cincinnati area that has all different kinds of fruits and vegetables and foods from all over the world. It's and like, 
award-winning bathroom design. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. If you're ever in the Cincinnati area, there are two stores mm-hmm. that you can go to, and you should definitely check out one. You should go, because they have all sorts of cool stuff. Like, you can have, you can buy any kind of meat there, you know, ethical or not, you can get it. <laughs> and just, like, food, like, it's like how at the grocery store they have that aisle, and it's always, like, horrifically named something, like, international, and then they have, like, five foods from each country, which aren't even from that country. Mm-hmm. But Jungle Gyms is actually stuff that they they really do import from yeah. other countries, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and jackfruit is a is a great substitute for pulled pork for vegans. Did you just did you just know that, or did you just Google that? <laughs> uh, no, my producer let me know that. Oh, I've I've heard that, but I've never tried it. Um, I don't really. I don't. I don't even think I could pick a jackfruit out of a lineup, but. I would be willing to learn if anyone's I vegan, mean, I- friends with me and listening to this, you know, cook a girl dinner sometime. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I know this article is pretty terrible, but because like, okay, I think my favorite sentence is the very first sentence. Potassium is an essential mineral that some people tend to lack. Is there any other way of couching that statement, like to make it like potassium could be something that's a mineral could be essential and might possibly be something that some people could be lacking if they were indeed low in potassium like it's a it's a sentence that conveys so little information as to be completely useless listen though i solved my potassium issue which was not a, a real potassium issue Because one day I ate, like, a few bananas trying to, like, solve it, and then the potassium did not go up, and I realized that the app is not perfect at tracking nutrients. So, you know how, and this app is MyFitnessPal, if anyone wants to get on the MyFitnessPal train with me, it's great fun, and I've already convinced one and possibly two friends to do it with me, so if you're listening and you want to do this, email us at hello at thebadpatient.com. We'll totally, we meaning me, we'll totally talk to you about it. But, um, and we being Robin, will totally yes. do it with you. <laughs> yes, I will. I will be doing it all month in, or unless it gets really terrible and then I'll stop. But so far, so good. <laughs> no, I've been doing it for a few days and I only sometimes hate it. But Anyway, you you know how, like, if you get a box of crackers and you look on the nutrition label, it doesn't list every single vitamin. It just says, like, vitamin A, vitamin C, calcium, and iron or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. app can, the app can only pull the nutrients that are on the label. And so sometimes with produce, since there are no labels, it just, like, gets mixed up. So I, I finally Googled it and said, like, why is why am I having trouble getting, getting enough potassium with my fitness pal? And, and they, there was, like, this whole thing about – you know, you can go in and edit a food, but people were saying that because potassium's not on a lot of nutrition labels that it, the app is underreporting it. So I stopped worrying about potassium. Okay. So what's your current medical fascination? Well, um, I was talking to um, a male friend here today and um, talking about prostate cancer screenings and i came to realize through that conversation and a brief google search that the psa um which is what does psa stand for public service announcement (laughs) anyways the psa testing the screening test um which is like a, a blood test used to check for prostate cancer according to the uspstf is no longer recommended for anyone like, it used to be recommended for men in a certain, like, I think over 70 or something. And now they're saying they don't recommend it for anyone. And in addition, there is some, let, let's say some screening that involves a, a physician and a rubber glove that um, I could not find a ton of information on that. Like, I checked uh, the American Cancer Society and I checked the NSPSTF, which is the U.S. Uh, Preventive Services Task Force. And neither of them, you know, in a brief search, I couldn't find anything. And I think there was the, like, uh, there was, like, the American Urological Association or something that had a really good, really detailed link and were saying that they didn't actually see evidence to support either of those. So I'm not really sure how one now – I don't know if there's – I don't think there's any testing that they're recommending. 
Um, but I thought that was interesting because it was an example of something where they used to recommend one thing and now they're recommending uh, something else. So yeah. they found that they just, it wasn't, what was the problem? It wasn't accurate enough and it led to a lot of the PSA tests specifically. Um was leading to a lot of kind of unnecessary biopsies and the biopsies had a somewhat unfortunately high rate of complications, um, incontinence, erectile dysfunction, all sorts of unhappy things. And it just ended up being like not super effective. So I thought, well, how interesting, you know, cause I, I want to say just a few years ago, they were, they were still recommending it for older men. And it was a question of, it was like mammograms, like at what age should you start doing them? And now, um, the USPSTF like ranks things on an A through I think F scale, and they gave the test a D. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, my public service announcement for our podcast is um, to remind all of uh, our listeners and viewers that uh, the Affordable Care Act uh, um, exchanges are open for open enrollment right now. And you can, uh, if your state has your own state owned or if you're using it through the ACA website, is available now um, at healthcare.gov. Which is pretty easy to remember, healthcare.gov. And we still are all supposed to have health insurance. If you don't have health insurance, get you some health insurance. Do it. Yeah. Now be a better bad patient. <laughs> yes. Um, and if you want to connect with us um, for the podcast, you can listen at thebadpatient.com. You can email us because now we have an email address. At <laughs> hello at thebadpatient.com. You can tweet us at thebadpatient. Um, and you can like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and really anywhere else, Stitcher, that you get your podcasts. So I think that is enough bad patienting for me for the day. Our only other thing to do is to thank our composer for our theme song, which is Evan Schaefer. You can listen to his music at soundcloud.com slash Evan Schaefer. Thanks, Evan. Thanks a lot. And until next time, we are bad patient. Now practice makes perfect. <laughs> <laughs>